paused. Cameras in your home, although they do this. They do this to a lot of targets like myself. No, electronic harassment as a whole with this surveillance, is electronic surveillance, turns the target, like myself, into a walking, talking piece of surveillance equipment. They have the ability to see through my eyes in real time, hear through my ears. From the heartland of America, the gateway to the West, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation, around the world. I'm George Norrie, and welcome to Coast to Coast AM. Up next... We're going to be talking about a new breed, satellite terrorism in America, electronic harassment. Dr. John Hall back with me. I'm George Norrie. For the next couple of hours, we're going to devote the program to electronic harassment, harassment of you. Dr. John Hall, medical doctor in San Antonio, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. He's a board-certified diplomat of the American Board of Anesthesiology and a member of the American Academy of Pain Medicine as well. Active member of the Mind Science Foundation, which is truly dedicated to the study of human consciousness. So he covers a lot, and he also sits on the medical committee on the human rights organization, Freedom from Covert Harassment and Surveillance. John Hall, back with me on Coast to Coast. Hello there, doctor. How are you? George, what an honor to be back with you. My pleasure. And uh, there's so much going on in the world of eavesdropping and harassment. It's it's almost out of control, John. It's up. It's upside down. The whole world is upside down, you know, including the harassment, the surveillance, the Middle East, like you were just talking about. I mean, it's just you know, the times we're living in is definitely, as you've said before on your show, there's something going on. There, there, there sure is. And why is it getting worse? I mean, it's almost as if if one believes in the new world order, that they have kicked things uh, up, they've jump-started things, they're panicking, they feel as if time's clicking by. Um, but what's happening? Well, you know, the, with some of the new releases that's come out about the NSA, you know, it's kind of propelled the conspiracy theorist websites uh, more into conspiracy fact. Um, uh, I think we've really gotten a good peek at, you know, that what a lot of the conspiracy theory shows and websites have been talking about is close to the truth. Really good. Closer to the truth and what the major media has been telling a lot of the conspiracy You have been involved, of course, in a lot of work about freedom from covert harassment and surveillance. How did you get involved in that organization? Well, just as I guess a quick opener for some of your listeners that may not know who I am or what electronic harassment is, basically in a nutshell, it's literally hundreds of thousands of people voicing complaints of being stalked by people they don't know. Uh, followed by uh, electronic harassment, which is defined as um, attempts at controlling the mind, uh, hearing voices of perpetrators uh, talking to you in your surroundings or in your head that only you can hear while you're being attacked with directed energy weapons. Uh, and it's a problem that uh, when I wrote my book in 2006 and it released in 2008 was not a whole lot out about it. There was, you know, quite a quite a bit, but not uh, anything real reliable, and um, which is the reason I chose to write the book. The book is about a female victim that I worked with who was being victimized by a former FBI agent who has access to this type of electromagnetic technology to do this, um, and basically saw her attempts and my attempts to get help for her through law enforcement fail, so decided uh, after 
hearing complaints uh, from other people and seeing how prevalent this crime was nationwide and worldwide to at least write the story down. Um, so basically non-believers are people that aren't being victimized. They can read it and, and hopefully if it happened to someone they knew or someone they loved could see that it's, it, it is real. And then actually the book functioned, especially after being on your show a couple of times, yeah. uh, I had a lot of people contact me saying, you know, I had uh, my son or my daughter or my, my significant other that claimed this was happening. And, you know, we took them to psychiatrists. Psychiatrists couldn't help them. Law enforcement couldn't help them. We didn't understand what it was. And, and now we do. And if only one person had contacted me telling me that it, the book would have been worth it, but it was literally thousands. Since we last talked, of course, some big uh, news popping, including, of course, Edward Snowden releasing the information about the NSA. Uh, and we've you know, found other little tricks, the IRS uh, peering in on uh, people they don't uh, appreciate or like and turned loose on them and things like that. That's that that I think alone, John, is damaging to the credibility of any organization that thinks they need to conduct surveillance to protect us. Well, and yet, and that did a, a world of good for the victims that are suffering from electronic harassment because um, finally the major media, you know, covered something that showed, well, you know, if they can peer into our text and into our cell phone calls and into our emails, you know, and initially they said they were only getting the metadata and weren't listening to the actual calls or reading the actual text. And then later, a couple of days later, it came out and so, said, well, we are hearing the calls and reading the text. And then it was, well, we're accidentally getting a thousand um, non-terrorist related emails and text and phone calls scanned, you know, per week. Yeah. Um, so it, it really kind of gave the people that have been complaining about this because they knew, I mean, the, the people that are targeted individuals, they, they knew this could happen. And most of the people that listen to your show on a regular basis knew that this was happening. Um, but it seemed to be a bombshell for the major media for, for some reason, um, but it gave a lot of credibility to the people voicing these complaints for the last 10 years, because then it's it's not too far-fetched to think, well, if they have the technology to do all this, then certainly the technology must be there um, to electro electromagnetically control people. What do you think they want, John? What's really the reason for doing these things? Well, at the risk of sounding conspiratorial myself, because I, I try to stick to facts uh, as I know them that I get from reliable sources. But if you look at this, you know, strictly from a uh, an outcome perspective, um, I think at the top level, I think it's experimentation. I, I, I think it's um, experimentation that's the, the technology has been farmed out to independent contractors rather than the government itself doing most of it. But I think the long-term goal um, is to find uh, a technology that will allow them to control just about everyone. Well, I think you're right. Uh, you, uh, of course, uh, lost a dear friend. We lost a dear guest with Dr. Fred Bell. He yeah, Fred Bell and I uh, have become extremely good friends. We talked just about every night, either either on the phone or, or by email or him. You know, he was really good about you know, um, pretty much every day would send me some type of a little email joke or cartoon. Um, and I, I tell you what, when the conspiracy theory show uh, came about, that uh, Jesse Ventura, Jesse Ventura show, they had this, his uh, assistant producer had contacted me about directed energy and electronic harassment and, and wanted the names of some credible people they could use on the show, including myself. And I called Fred. 
And, you know, Fred was a, a true human, humanitarian. He legitimately cared about people uh, and just jumped at the chance. He said, yes, I'll do it. And um, the yeah, interesting thing I'll share with you, and I don't know if you've heard this from, from anyone else, but I, I called him and asked him if he'd be willing to do this show if I did it. And um, he said, well, you know, I'd be more than happy to do it. Uh, you know, we need to find a break into this. And um, interesting comment he made to me is that he told me, he said, but my handlers are probably not going to appreciate it. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, kind of taking that, you know, you know, Fred had his hands into a lot of stuff, had worked on a he lot did. of secret projects back in his day. Um, but for him to show up dead of a heart attack in a hotel room immediately after the way he did, um, I mean, Fred was a pretty healthy guy. And, uh, well, you know, a lot of things, a lot of bizarre things happen. And, and you know, John, listening to this program, I don't believe in coincidences at all. I, I think there are reasons for things. And Michael Hastings, the reporter who uh, took down a general and was also working on the CIA, dies in a mysterious automobile accident and his, and his car blows up. And, you know, now they've reported that he had some kind of toxicology report of some kind of drugs in his system. I don't know if that was a smoke screen or not, just to take away some credibility of what he was doing. But there's another case. You know, you talk about Fred Bell. You have to throw in Michael Hastings there. Uh, There was that doctor in Britain who wanted to talk about the Iraq war, and they claimed he committed suicide, yet there was... By, by slicing his wrist, except there was no blood where he was. I mean, this is just too much, isn't it? Yeah, and there's there's certainly some, some government agencies out there that are trying to keep the truth out, which is, um, you know, a lot of people have asked me, is it is what happened to Fred Bell? Is that going to drive you underground? Um, I'm still kind of fighting it um, the best we can. And, you know, we've got uh, some new things on the burner uh, in addition to freedom from covert surveillance and harassment, um, um, uh, we've also started a a new organization uh, called the International Center Against Abuse of Covert Technologies, and um, which is doing a lot of really good work. That's basically a group uh, of, that I sit on, along with other physicians and physicists and uh, other people from multidisciplinary backgrounds um, globally. Uh, interested in kind of getting to the bottom of electronic harassment and microchipping and uh, control technologies was actually the the brainchild of a, a man named Jesse Beltran from Sacramento who came to me in Texas to be scanned because uh, I do RF scanning for people that, mm-hmm. that think they may be chipped. Uh, and he kind of stepped up and, and took it a, a step further uh, and got a group together and traveled around the country doing scanning. Uh, and one of the really big new things that have happened I want to share with you is um, Belgium allowed us to come use a Faraday cage there that they have to do scanning. Uh-huh. And we actually took um, victims there that were complaining of electronic harassment and who had came up positive on scans here and compared them side by side to controls, people from the population who aren't complaining of electronic harassment. Uh, And the evidence is overwhelming that um, you can have a control person and a victim standing side by side in a shielded cage and pick up transmitted frequencies off of the person that's claiming to be a victim. Stay with us, uh, Dr. John. We're gonna come back and chat a little bit more about this. Next hour, I wanna spend some time taking some phone calls with you about this, but let's talk about what you just mentioned, people being chipped. 
and uh, see how many people you think this is happening to and how they do it. Back in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. And, of course, next hour, we'll take your phone calls with Dr. John Hall as we talk about electronic harassment. Perhaps this has happened to you. Dr. John Hall with us, author, of course, A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. We're talking about electronic harassment. John, these, these people that you tested that they may have been shipped, one, did you find anyone? And if that is happening, how, how is it happening? Well, we have found a number of people that have been chipped. However, um, you know, I, I will tell you that the majority of the people that we, we test and scan do come up positive for transmissions. But then when we image them, either on X-ray, CT, or MRI, then we don't find anything. Um, uh, we have found some chips and some people varying from uh, nanotechnology uh, all the way down to like Bob Boyce from Georgia was an inventor. We found a Vera chip. Um, buried in him. So we have found an array of implants. Uh, of course, nanotechnological ones being the most difficult to find. Um, but as far as this happening to someone without a chip, which I, you know, my personal belief is that a majority of the people this is probably happening to without a chip. Um, you know, the technology goes back to 1974 when one of the first patents was filed by Robert Malik. Uh, describing how you could shoot uh, two-phased uh, differing frequencies at the human brain. And the brain will actually um, entrain those two frequencies and transmit an interference frequency. And that can be picked up and the EEG can be decoded back out of that interference frequency. And the uh, that technology was actually um, invented with the hopes that they would be able to use that on uh, fighter pilots and be able to tell when they were falling asleep or hallucinating uh-huh. in the air. And then and when you notice that on the monitoring, you could stimulate them to wake back up or snap out of their, um, their hallucination and back to controlling the plane. You know, and that was 74, actually uh, filed in 74 and published in 76. You know, that's a long time ago and there's been a lot of advancement since then. So, um, and then you look at one of the earliest um, NSA insiders to come forward about this technology was John St. Clair Acqui in 91, who described in detail um, how frequencies are being used by the NSA to uh, control the human body. And I think actually a quote from his lawsuit was that they now have the frequency technology to bombard any electrical entity, being that mechanical, uh, organic, non-organic, or human. Um, because the bottom line is that as humans, we are electrical beings. Um, and he was one of the earliest insiders. He was almost immediately um, discredited uh, in the public. You can still Google him and see the lawsuit come up. And a lot of people to this day question the validity of that lawsuit. But several years back, I actually talked to John St. Clair Acqui and, and found him to be legitimate. Um, you know, after him came Russell Tice, you know, who said at the, at the listening post in Georgia, they were listening to conversations and using electromagnetic weaponry. And, and then, of course, the latest, we have Snowden. Yeah, absolutely true. You know, another interesting tidbit, I don't know if you've caught this uh, lately, you know, the NSA ad- admitted that um, they've had thousands of intercepts of emails that were non-terroristic related, but another admission that recently came out, and the reason I wanted to bring this up to you is, you know, the majority of these victims of electronic harassment, a great majority are female, 
And most of these females are complaining of sexual assault along with their electronic victimization. Um, and as you know, the NSA is, is using a very large independent contractor force. Now, the entire intelligence community is. And um, the NSA actually released documents um, that they have found some of their independent contractors as well as their own agents targeting love interest targeting and it is so commonplace that they actually gave it a name and they call it love and instead of human intelligence human yeah. signals intelligence signal love and abusing everything that's yeah it. yeah so you know and that's going to be human nature and when you especially when you start having 70 percent of your workforce as independent contractors uh you really have to question the oversight you know 10 years ago john when you know, we were hearing things like this, and of course, they didn't have quite the technology then as they do now. But, you know, still, when people would say, you know, I think I'm being electronically harassed or strange things are happening to me, most people thought they were nuts, didn't they? Yeah, and there's still a lot of that today. Uh, you know, I had one little positive shining star uh, came forward with a victim that I spoke to very recently that was here in, in Texas. Um, and she had called law enforcement out because she was, you know, hearing the people that were attacking. And by the way, for those who aren't, aren't familiar with this, this isn't hearing voices of angels or God. This is hearing somebody tell you what they're doing to you as they attack you. So these people know very well what's going on. But um, this female victim called the uh, sheriff's department out. And this is the first time this has ever happened in any of the victims I spoke to. She told her story to the deputy and the deputy said, well, there's no way you're going to prove this. And I don't know much about it, but it sounds like you're being, being attacked with electromagnetic weapons. How about that? So, I mean, maybe we're getting someplace with the educational activities, you know? And let, and let me ask you this, John. You know, one would think that if people were going to be harassed, it would be people in a certain position or something like that. But a lot of times when we get stories from people, and we'll get calls next hour, you know, most of them are from, you know, mainstream America, middle class folks. They don't have an issue with anything are they being tested on or or what's happening there? Why would someone who obviously doesn't have a gripe against government, has a job, has a family, does their thing, why would they be the target of harassment? Well, if you look historically at the research and the testing of any of this type of technology, and you go back to MKUltra and MKSearch and Bluebird, a lot of the early mind control studies by the CIA, they always picked kind of the, the underlings, um, you know, either people on the fringe of society or, you know, people that were middle class to lower middle class or uh, the homeless people in prison. Um, you know, you don't, you don't turn guinea pigs out of people that are in high enough political office or wealthy enough to have the capability to do something about it. You test on the common people. And if you look at it from a scientific perspective, you know, you want a random sample. And that seems to be really what they're going after now when they have groups that have access to this technology in every major city, allowed carte blanche to victimize whoever or whatever reason. You know, when it's all mixed down at the top or the agencies that are appropriately administering the technology can look at the data, you end up with a random mix. 
You know the movie The Manchurian Candidate, and a lot of people have thought over the years that mass shooters might have been, you know, programmed, that Sirhan Sirhan, who killed Robert F. Kennedy, might have been programmed. What do you think of all of that? Knowing what I know about the technology that exists and, and seeing the way some of these shootings went down, um, I won't be such a conspiracy theorist to say absolutely it has to be control, but you really have to question. When you know this technology is out there, uh, it can subliminally control someone uh, or just control someone by, by being so vicious in the attack that they do what your bidding is. Uh, you really have to question that. And I know, you know, there was at least one of the shooters that you've mentioned uh, had been on some of the various websites complaining of mind control before he put the gun in his hands. So, um, you well, know, most I, people would think that guy's irrational. He's nuts. There's something wrong with him. Right. Well, they they certainly go to a, a very quick extreme to make sure that that's what's released in the media. Well, that's true. Absolutely. And I, and I think pharmaceutical drugs, I think they play a big part, too, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, obviously, especially the psychoactive drugs, you know, have um, have been a failure. I mean, if you look at the our guys that are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, they're killing themselves at, at record rates um, despite the treatment. Um, with some of the psychotropics, uh, which may be worsening the problem, and I think probably in most cases is worsening the problem. What's going on in the world of energy weapons? Anything? Yeah, um, you know, um, Vladimir Putin came out about a year ago um, in a speech talking about directed energy, uh, it specifically when he was ask a question at a meeting about a new ray that the Russians have been working on that they have fondly called the zombie ray. Uh, and it is a electromagnetic weapon that's meant to control the brain, at least to control the actions of individuals. Um, and he came out with a comment that uh, he said, whichever country had the best electromagnetic weaponry would be the country that ruled the world without missiles or bullets. And what I thought was amazing is I obviously had not heard this comment because it wasn't covered in our major media. Um, and it may have been covered on your show on one night that I particularly missed. Yeah. But uh, um, a Colombian newspaper service called El Spectador, which is actually one of their oldest, largest news services there, contacted me and wanted my comments uh, on it uh, and wrote a, a three-page article in their newspaper uh, on directed energy weapons and um, their potential effect uh, on the future populations of the, of the globe. Um, but not one word was ever spoken about that comment uh, in our major media. No, not at all. They, they just ignore this, don't they? Yeah, uh, you know, but they, they, they sure let us know what celebrity is going to rehab or, or anything like that at the time. But they do certainly seem to uh, ignore this. And, you know, even the, the Democrats and the Republicans alike right now are kind of coming to the defense of the NSA, uh, which really surprised me. Um, you know, even when it came to the, them releasing the, the fact that they're targeting uh, love interest, um, Dianne Feinstein, who chairs the Senate Intel Intelligence Committee, uh, came out and said that this was only approximately one case per year that this was going on and that she was going to look into it and get to the bottom of it. 
and you and I both know human nature. And if you have somebody sitting there with this kind of technology where they can watch their ex-wife or their current wife or husband, you know, and they can use it. doing it, it's yeah. going to happen. And they're it's going to happen more than once a year. They're going to abuse it. They're, they're all going to abuse it. And they do. One world government. How realistic or is that a figment of our imagination? You know, over the years, you know I'm a, a, a pretty much a daily listener of your show. I know. Um, and, and so are most of the victims of this technology. As you, this, this show, you are kind of the shining beacon of hope for most of these people because you're the only, the only media source that will have any of us on to talk about it. And 10 years ago, had you asked me about one world government, I probably would have leaned on the side of it. It's conspiratorial. But knowing what I know now about this technology, seeing the results of it, uh, on people that I have to deal with, I think the only direction this can be going is for a one-world government to use this type of technology to control a global population because guns and taxes won't do it. You know, there's too many of us that live in rural areas that um, can raise our own food, kill our own deer, and pump our own water out of a well and not pay taxes. But this type of technology spans the globe and can control every single person. That is so true so true but they do seem to be in a rush they do seem this is my impression that they think they're running out of time maybe they don't think they can control us much longer i don't know well you know it does seem to me some of the reason i think this experimentation is going on it seems to be not everyone is susceptible to it um and i have talked to some people who worked on some of these projects uh, and some of the electromagnetic weaponry uh, who expressed just that. And, and I've told you on this show before, one of the comments that was made to me is that, that not everyone is controllable with this technology and the people being harassed are the ones that can't be controlled. And to me, that's a very scary thought because that tells me that the majority of people are being controlled. Yeah, they are. There's, there's no doubt about that. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the kinds of equipment the kinds of technology, John, that they've got available uh, at their disposal. I mean, they could, could they at this point drive by your house, not even have to come in, not even have to put a little listening device inside and still from the outside hear everything that's going on? Yeah, that, that actually is, has been around for a while already you know we have um, laser listening um, devices now that can actually use the vibrations of the panels of your windows um, I, I spoke at length um, with a good friend of mine who actually is a high up um, with one of the uh, power companies and what a lot of people don't realize is that when they have these guys working on poles at different power stations or working on transformers they don't communicate with each other with cell phones they hook up to the power line itself, and they communicate via the power line. As a matter of fact, you can communicate from one power station base to another power station base 100 miles away through the power line itself. Um, and you can actually listen into a home through the wiring in your house, as it was described to me. Um, now, that supposedly is still subject to FISA uh, rules. Uh, and if the NSA or the FBI wishes to listen to the inside of your home using the lines, um, they're supposed to still get a warrant to do that. But as we've seen with some of the, the revelations coming out about the NSA now, um, I think the FISA court has really just kind of been ignored 
and these intelligence agencies are doing their own thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about the International Center Against Abuse of Covert Technologies. How can people participate with this kind of an organization? Well, that's that's one of the things we have going right now as far as educational things on the ISA Act uh, is, is ICAACT.org. Uh, we have a lot of good information there. Um, there's a contact email there. Um, if someone is not sure or they don't remember that, satweapons.com is my website as well. Um, we have a multi multidisciplinary group that's global. Uh, as I told you, we were able to go to Belgium and do scanning in a Faraday cage there. Uh, some of the victims that were found to be positive in the Faraday cage that uh, Belgium allowed us to use um, are going on to a, a university setting in Australia. Um, I'm not allowed to release the name just yet of the scientist that's going to be working with them, but it's someone who deals in informatics uh, and microchipping that's going to be doing some work with us there. So things are really kind of coming around on the scientific end uh, there. And the reason we pursued that is the testimonials and the pleas for help going to Congress, women and congressmen just weren't working. Um, the other thing that we have going is a, uh, um, a movie being put out on my book, A New Breed. Uh -huh. A screenplay was written, and uh, Edmund Drelay, I don't know if you know that name from California, he did uh, the movie Banksters Made Off with America. Okay. And El Padrino is um, going to be working with us, actually putting A New Breed, uh, the book, uh, into not a documentary, but a drama based on a true story. Um, and hopefully to educate the, the non-targeted public as to the pitfalls of this, because it's really the the people that don't know about this technology and haven't had someone victimized in their family that really need to know, because this is growing so exponentially that eventually someone in your family is going to be suffering the effects of this or someone you know. That's exciting. I hope that works out for you, John. Well, I, I hope so, too. If anyone is interested, we have a website for the movie, too. It's um, um, newbreedmovie.com. So simple enough, simple enough. Okay. So where do we go the next five, 10 years from now with this? Well, it's going to get worse or slow down. Well, that, you know, and that's where uh, I've got a new book coming out that I, I kind of, I go into this in detail and it's called Guinea pigs technologies of control. And it's, it's currently in editing uh, and it's taken a long time to write because it's not a story. It's mostly technology and history and where we, exactly what you're asking is where we go with this in the future. And, you know, it, it's a it's a big problem that we have to fight a bunch of different ways. There's there's not just a solution to the targeting. You know, part of our problem is we've we've let government slip away out of our control. Um, and that's one of the things we really need to start taking a good hard look at it and, and start of, instead of just dividing ourselves between you know independent, democratic, and republic. Is we need to start um, coalescing as a group and electing people to the government that are based on their ethics and their morals. Um, part of the way we've got... Well, then we here, wouldn't have anybody in office. Well, you know, the people the people have got to be there, George. You know, and um, we all know good people. And you know, the other thing we need is term limits. You know, when you have a government agency or you have congressmen that are going up there and they're spending a lifetime there, they're going to be subject to corruption. That's true. John, we're going to come back in a moment. I want to talk more with you about all of this. And we'll take some phone calls on Coast to Coast AM. 
special guest, of course, this hour, Dr. John Hall. We're going to take your phone calls with him as we talk about, of course, electronic harassment. And it does happen. Next hour, Philip Mantle joins us as we talk about abductions, incredible stories there. We shall be back in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back, Dr. John Hall with us. John, Dr. Judy Woods has a theory that the Twin Towers during 9-11, they were taken down by a high beam energy weapon that basically shattered those buildings, making them fall. Preposterous? What do you think? Well, the weaponry uh, certainly exists to do that. Uh, whether or not it was used on the on the uh, the Trade Center towers, um, not real sure of. You know the you know the thing is there were a lot of witnesses that actually saw planes fly into those buildings. Now that's not to say that it wasn't a combination of the two, but the way those buildings collapsed uh, and the analysis of some of the rubble certainly leads one to question. <laughs> Yeah, it, it sure does. But but you do think we do have the capability to do that? Uh, yeah, from what's been described to me by some of my contacts uh, in that field, um, uh, let's put it this way. I had one contact uh, in the DOD told me that in Afghanistan uh, there was a mountainous range where they needed a runway, uh, and they contacted um, the Navy. Uh, who contacted the guys at Run Harp, and the next day there was an obsidian runway burned into the rock mountainside. Uh, now, that was told to me by someone on the ground there. Uh, I don't think he would mislead me, but, um, you know, I, I certainly think the technology is there to do that. Okay, it's good to know that. Let's take some calls here. Johnny is in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the show. Hi, John. Hello, George. Good to talk Thanks. to you. You too. Uh, I just wanted to know, ask uh, John there, if um, those brand new squiggly light bulbs they have, Alex Jones said that they can, uh, at a Morse code rate, interface with a home computer. Could these same light bulbs interface with uh, and uh, affect you physically um, with uh, potentially... Uh, you know, and some nano chips in you or a chip in you? Uh, you know, those light bulbs give off a lot of electromagnetic uh, energy off of them. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, um, it, most people install them in lights far above them or in outdoor lights. But uh, if you ever want to see exactly how much electromagnetic radiation comes off of one of those, screw it into the, the light socket under your ceiling fan. Um, and you will hear them actually you know, buzz at certain frequencies and then tone down and then buzz at another frequency and tone down. Um, I'm not so sure if anybody studied on how they interact with chips, but they certainly give off a lot of electromagnetic radiation. And the other problem with them is they also are hard to dispose of. So, you know, for them to pass those off as safer than you know, regular standard incandescent lights, I think is is kind of trying to dupe the public. Um, they, they do last longer, and I think they probably use less energy to burn, but they're certainly a pain to destroy because you're not supposed to just throw those in your normal trash. Where do, we, where do we stand, John, with the incandescents? I mean, uh, they were supposed to be abolished by now, but uh, they have a stay or what? Uh, last I heard, they had they had given them a stay. But if you notice, if you go to your hardware store, 
uh, and look on the aisle where the light bulbs are, they're getting harder and harder to find. So, I mean, I think they probably are slowly staging them out, you know, to, to keep uh, people from having a run on the stores to buy all of what's left on the shelves. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's go to Bob in Kingman, Arizona. Bob, welcome to the program. Go ahead. Um, George, it's so great to talk to you. This is my very first time on the show. Oh, great. And, Thank uh, you for joining me. <laughs> very first time. I've been trying to, I've been, I've gotten on before, I mean, before with um, the fellow that answers the phones, but I've never made it on a, a couple of times. I've tried to get on just so I could um, tell my story. Well, you're um, here now. Go for it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, um, I've been a victim of gang stalking. I went to a, a horrible incident. My mother and I, I live with my mother. She's elderly. And um, I went to a horrible organized crime gang stalking in the state of Illinois. Um, my mother was divorcing my father, and he had connections with organized crime. And um, he was violent, and I suspected that he was going to um, make attempts to basically take my mom out and kill her. And actually, attempts were made on both her and I both over the years. Um, and he basically extorted everything that my mom and I had a half a million dollars worth of real estate. Um, this stopped her from divorcing him. She, we hired something like 10 law firms in the state of Illinois and, um, he paid off every one of them. We put down thousands of dollars for him to, uh, uh to get a divorce from, for, for my mom to get a divorce from him. And then right away, uh, the lawyers would withdraw from our case for absolutely stupid and idiotic reasons. They'd say they have to withdraw. Well, he kept my mom married to him for 16 years longer. Um, so we, there were so many criminal things that were happening to us that were violent and sadistic and dangerous. And he had the police involved, the local police officers were involved in taking his bribes. And um, my mom and I, didn't know he had connections with organized crime. Um, we started to investigate him. Um, he was living, living a double life, living with us, um, a complete enemy of our family. And um, we started to investigate him and start going through his drawers and personal records and stuff. And um, we found all these old Air Force because he was a sergeant in the United States Air Force. And I guess he had control of uh, dozens of men. And he was stationed in Alaska. And this back in the 1960s, I guess, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we found dozens of photographs from his Air Force buddies. And um, they all said, um, good luck um, with uh, going to Chicago in the future and becoming a Chicago racketeer and a mafia-made man. And all of his friends jokingly signed their photographs of themselves when they gave them to my father, saying that, you know, uh, that this was his dream. He was like, I guess in his boy, I guess he served like four years in there. This was his big dream of going to Chicago. And I said, how could every one of his friends put this on the back of their photographs if this really wasn't his dream? I was telling my mom this. Yeah. And with the things we were going through were so unbelievable in the state, we finally had to flee for our lives. We fled. And where we went is we decided, well, we were religious people. My mom and I were both Christians. And so we decided we'll go to Billy Graham's town. We always were followers of uh, Billy Graham. And um, we traveled to North Carolina and moved to his town. And uh, 
went, you know, went to his church and told everybody what had happened to us with this, how they took everything we had. Um, one of my relatives that was helping my mom was um, murdered. And I witnessed the homicide, and I couldn't even report it to the police because the police in, in Illinois were so corrupt. I knew that they would tr uh, try and kill me um, just for even reporting it. And um, I've been basically had a gang stalking contract taken out on my life. And for the last, I've been out of Illinois since 1992. Is your dad? Two years I've been going through gang stalkings. My car's been bugged. Bob, let me ask you this. Is your, is your dad still alive? Yes, he is. He's still alive and in living in Illinois, and my mother and I are living in Kingman, Arizona. Well, let me ask you this, Dr. John Hall, because this is, it's a little off electronic harassment, but harassment nonetheless. What does a guy like Bob do? Nobody seems to listen to him. It's either one of the most far-fetched stories, or he's really being plagued. Well, you know, and if, if it's just typical harassment and extortion... You know, usually if, if you finally get a hold of the right FBI guy or the right law enforcement official, there usually is some help there. But it usually does have to come out of state uh, and certainly not from Chicago, Illinois. You know, Chicago has always been corrupt and always will be. Um, but if there's an electronic harassment element to this, that's actually very common. And a lot of the victims that I deal with, this has been higher done to them. As I said, the technology is released to private sector um, perpetrator groups, essentially, usually, at least in San Antonio, was made up of a former FBI guy working as a private investigator. But once it's released to their hands, the rules seem to be that they can carte blanche, use it on whomever, for whatever reason they want to use it. And that includes hiring it done to someone. And, and there were people in San Antonio that were using this group to target their competitors. Um, or target their spouse during a divorce. So, I mean, it can be hired done, and it, it certainly is a weapon that is used among the wealthy. Yeah, that is true. We go now to uh, Cornelius in Louisiana. Hello, Cornelius. Welcome to the program. Always good to have you. Hey, John and George, and thank you, Tommy, for letting me in tonight. I don't know if y'all had heard, George and uh, John, that in a place called Tinsaw Parish, they had a guy about maybe a month ago said that there was an electronic device inside of him and was forcing him. He took some people hostage at a bank. He let one of them go. Then he ended up shooting the other two left. He killed one and then one died later at the hospital. And then, of course, the state police killed him. So yeah. I just wanted to pass that on. I didn't know if y'all heard about it. Yeah. About a month ago in Tinsaw Parish, and he was from Yemen. And it was just strange that he would say that, you know, I don't know exactly if he said the government, but somebody had planted, implanted a device in him and was forcing him to do this. So I'll just take my answer off the air, and God okay. bless you all. Now, here's another case, uh, Dr. John, where you either can believe the story or not, but is it possible? You know, George, you want to hear, like you said, you don't believe in coincidence. Yeah. Probably in the last two years, I've had an increasing number, a vastly increased number of emails coming from Yemen, uh, of Yemeni um, civilians 
complaining of mind control and microchipping. Interesting. Uh, so, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. And, and the sad thing is usually when one of these victims finally does snap and, and when you're tortured 24 seven, a lot of people eventually do, especially once they've had enough doors closed on them when they seek help. Um, unfortunately, the end game is almost always that the, the victim ends up being killed by the police or killing themselves. And then we never do get the truth uh, as far as the autopsy goes. The uh, the stories are indeed baffling. Next hour, I'll be talking about alien abductions, another situation. But is it possible that some people who think that they've been abducted by aliens are indeed being abducted by these covert people? Well, or or may not be being abducted at all, but made to believe they are being abducted. You know, we've talked on, I, I don't know if you remember, we talked before that, um, the technology is there. You know, Michael Persinger working at the Laurentian uh, University in Canada had demonstrated that he could stimulate the temporal lobes of the brain with extremely low frequency waves and simulate alien abduction in the lab. So, uh, and that's in a person that's in a shielded room having elf waves bombarding their temporal lobes with no one else around them and come out thinking that they had been abducted. Um, so that's why... You know, I, I tend to believe that maybe some of these abduction cases are false memories um, being induced electromagnetically, and maybe not all of them are actually um, contact. Let's go to uh, Angela in Rosemont, Minnesota. Hello, Angela. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. It's my second time calling, and hi to you, Dr. John Hall and George again. Hi. Hi. Um, so I just had a question. It, it was brought to my attention just a couple of days ago that uh, my neighbor actually um, told me um, he goes on Wi-Fi on your phone a lot. And I know there's like, you know, with all the neighbors, you can see that, you know, are on Wi-Fi. And he said it was the strangest thing. He said he saw the Wi-Fi said FBI or surveillance ban as an option. And that I don't I don't know what that means. And he said it's, he's never seen it, and like he said, he always looks at it. So I decided that the next couple nights or the day during the day, I thought, well, I'm going to go and see. And it was gone during the day, and then at night, it was back again. So I don't know why it would show that, that they're there, or that <laughs> it just it sounds silly, but how could it be there as a Wi-Fi option, and then all of a sudden not be there? And it does look like there's like a little blue, like, you know, Wi-Fi lights up as it gets more strong, and there is a little blue marker there that shows that they're there. And I'll take my coffee. Well, let's talk a little bit about smartphones and that kind of technology, John. What can they do? You know what? That technology has blossomed at such a rate that um, I'm not even real sure what people can do. Uh, I know for one turn off the location services on your phone, but I've been told by several of the telecom companies that even with the location services off, that with a subpoena, it can still be located. Um, you know, there was a, a similar case, though. It, it kind of is similar to what she's talking about here in Texas, where I don't know if you saw in the news where this couple, their Wi-Fi based nanny cam or baby cam that was monitoring their, their in newborn infant had been hacked into and somebody was screaming obscenities at them and their newborn infant uh, and watching them through the Jeez. camera on the nanny cam. 
And, um, you know, Wi-Fi has introduced a whole new host of problems to privacy because, you know, there is software programs written that you can load onto an iPhone and sit in a Starbucks and listen in on everyone else's conversations just by picking up on their Wi-Fi. Um, you know, as far as her question with the, the FBI band, you know, that could be something, you know, as bad as uh, an FBI surveillance van being in the area that's surveilling somebody and you're picking up their signal. Um, or it could be somebody masquerading their Wi-Fi uh, signal as FBI because, you know, you get to name that band, um, you know, when you have it installed, you know, if you're, you know, the only user of the ISP. Um, it, at least if she's talking about where you pick it up on your iPhone where you see the name of the uh, the Wi-Fi signal that you can, whether it's locked or unlocked, that you can connect to. But, you know, Wi-Fi has created a whole host of problems, and it's everywhere now. Well, it sure is, John. It, it really is. John's book, A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, and he's got a new one he's working on, which comes out when, John? It's in, currently in editing. It's called Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control. Um, and um took a lot to get this one written. I, I called in a lot of favors from people on the inside to, to get the scoop on some of the history behind this technology and how it was developed and what can be done uh, to fight it. Um, and kind of had a lot of pressure against me from some certain agencies not to release it. But it's finally been finished, uh, been transcribed, and it's currently in editing. So I'm hoping in the next six months. Well, that's great. Good for you. Okay, Chippy. When do they get to the point where all of us are going to be asked or required to have a little chip in our hand so that you can just scan it across a shopping center, checkpoint, or anything like that? Well, I think, um, you know, when Verichip first came out with their chips and kind of, you know, started bringing that up and showing how great it was in Europe that people could go into the club or go shop and get groceries and just scan their wrist and it was automatically taken out of your account. You know, there was, you know, such a backlash against that in this country, uh, thank God, um, that I think they really had to rethink that. So now they're looking at more novel ways uh, of approaching that. And one of the ways they're approaching it is, for one, through Obamacare, you know, there's been some some talk about actually requiring you to accept a chip if you're going to be on um, the governmental health care. Uh, and I've heard stories one way and the other regarding that, that, you know, yes, there there is a provision for it. I've read the bill. It looks like there's a provision in it for me, but then at the last rewriting of it, they said they were going to take that out. Um, but, you know, they also have RFID now that can be painted on. Um, that's holographic RFID. And, I mean, they're um, hair strand RFID that's basically just carbon fibers and a strand of a hair that, when bombarded with the right uh, exciter energy, will resonate a frequency back uh, and give you a reading and a number that's identifiable. Uh, so they're looking for other ways to avoid having to actually ask you to take a chip. Okay, we're coming back with final questions for you next, John, on Coast to Coast AM. And, of course, you can watch our television program this Friday. It's called, of course, Beyond Belief, and you can watch it for 10 days free. You can also watch everything else that's available for 10 days free. Simply go to this website, www.beyondbelief.com.
Welcome back. Final segment with Dr. John Hall. Websites, of course, all linked up for you at coasttocoastam.com. And let's go to the phones. Lewis is in Denver, Colorado, waiting. Hey, Lewis, go ahead. Hi, George. Hello, Dr. Hall. Hello. Uh, Dr. Hall, uh, you were suggesting that HARP uh, might have made an airstrip overnight. I'm wondering if you think there might be any connection between overnight airstrips and overnight crop circles, and I'll take my comments off the air. You know, I've long wondered that myself and and really wondered it even more after this um, friend of mine told me about the airstrip. And the other thing that um, I've really wondered is I I don't remember that – that hilltop in Peru that has the the etchings in it that can only be viewed from the air, George, you would know um, better than I. That's it. That, those were the Nazca lines in Peru. Yeah. Um, you know, after hearing what they could do with HARP as far as creating an airstrip, um, I really started giving that some thought, you know, and that's been relatively unexplained. Um, is there a possibility that possibly that was a scratch pad for practicing with HARP? You never know. You never know what was going on. You know, so many things have been happening on this planet, John, that uh, things that we would call far-fetched, I don't think you can say that anymore, can we? No. I mean, when you look at all the, the fish kills, the bird kills, you know, the surveillance, the, you know, the, the basically just society, um, people seeming like they're a little darker than they used to be as far as emotionally to people. Um, uh, it, it just seems like as a, as a whole, we are being controlled. And one of the things I, I tell people when they ask me about control, and I, you know, I'll say, well, have you ever had a day where it's a blah day? You're not depressed, but it's just one of those days you don't feel very productive and there's no reason for it. Just a blue day. Uh, have you ever noticed when you talk to your friends or your coworkers, they're all feeling the same way too. And maybe that's not a coincidence. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay, who's up next? Let's go to Greg in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, Greg. Thanks for calling. Good morning, gentlemen. I got morning. a question. Sure. In April, I had some surgery done, and now every time I go through, it was on my left shoulder, but now every time I go through an airport, I always set off the metal detectors. They pull me aside like I'm a terrorist, and they say there's something in my right shoulder. I've had x-rays done, and there's nothing there. But every time I go through the metal detector, like I said, they pull me off to the side, you know, inspect me down, check me down, like there's something in my right shoulder, but nothing appears. you think they're uh, setting me up for something later in the future? Well, have you had any symptoms of electronic harassment? Not that I'm aware of. You know, I don't have no strange dreams or, you know, have no impulses to go kill nobody or nothing like that. Well, if you're setting off the detector, there's definitely something there, you know, and especially if they can actually pick it up when they actually put the wand next to you at that area. And an x-ray. This ain't ain't the wand. This is the thing where you stand inside and it spins around in a circle. Okay. Yeah. The millimeter wave. Yeah. Then, you know, that, that would be something worth looking into. And an x-ray may not necessarily pick it up. These things are pretty small. Um, a lot of times it takes a CT or an X-ray that you can actually magnify uh, pretty significantly or ultrasound. Uh, a lot of times we'll pick it up. So I, maybe I should try to get an ultrasound. But oh, one other thing, before you cut me off there, 
Uh, Tom wanted me to listen to a song, but he never put it on. Can you put me back with Tom when we're done? Uh, I will do that. You're on hold. Don Schron is just a little song business on the side. Linda in Peoria, Illinois. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the show. Linda, are you with us? Hello. Hi, Linda. Go ahead. I'm here. I have been a very long listener, way back to Art Bell, and I moved from one state to another state and still followed. Good. Thank you. So, anyhow, I got a phone. He said he was. by hackers and, and I tried so he told me to get lost two minutes later he calls me back again this time he comes up with the name David and I told him I said uh, I'm not turning on my computer for you you know I said so I don't know what you're up to goodbye and I hung up today I got it again he, same guy said his name is David it comes across my phone as oh 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 all zeros. Now, who's playing around with? That's that's actually a scam, and that's been going on now for quite a while. Where they have you turn it on your computer, and they get you to download something saying that it you've they've noticed that you've been doing this or doing that or or you have a virus, and they're going to help you clean off the virus. And they have you download a program that basically turns over control of your computer where they can drain any resources or any online banking that you do out of the computer. The zero zero is spoofing. And that, that used to be slightly difficult to do. But in years, it's become very easy to do, so easy to do that I, I'm not even going to discuss it any further uh, as far as how you do it, because I, no one really needs to be doing it. But it is very easy to disguise your caller ID now. As a matter of fact, you can call someone and put in whatever number you want to show up on the person's caller ID that you're calling. What? It's called spoofing. That's amazing. Uh-huh. That's amazing. I've noticed too, by the way. You know, the old days, wrong number, you get a wrong number. All those years, I hardly ever got a wrong number on my cell phone. Now I'm getting a lot of those. How come? Well, because the the phone companies have been in bed with the NSA for a long time, and if they're in bed with the NSA, they're probably in bed with the advertisers too. We know they're in bed with the NSA. They've came forward on that, but uh, they're also in bed with some of the advertisers. And that's why you're probably noticing in the last couple of years, you're getting more uh, tech, like, you know, do you need a car loan or loans for cheap or, you know, get Viagra, you know, or, you know, that type of thing will we'll, we'll actually come across your text now. And oftentimes they're using a spoofer as well. So you don't even actually see the real number that it's coming from. Um and you know, hopefully, eventually, they'll they'll get around to making some of these this spoof software illegal because it's mostly being used as a harassment tool. Okay. 
and stop good day information. Rob is a first-time caller in West Virginia. Hey, Robbie, th thank you. Um, I was actually calling. Got on the internet and saw. Um, I work in the oil field, and uh, it was regarding the uh, the oil, the BP oil spill in the Gulf. Yes. That uh, there was witnesses that saw Blu-ray. Uh, actually, and that's what ended up burning it down. And that there was a controller in the control room over by the helipad started experiencing some heat and backed away from the control panel and actually started seeing the control panel melt and uh, then obviously evacuated from the rig. But I didn't know if you had heard that. I saw it, uh, I saw it briefly and then it went away and I never heard anything about it. And I didn't know if you had, had heard anything about that. Yeah, actually I did hear uh, that story uh, when it first surfaced and that's similar to the same stories you heard coming out of Australia when they had their severe floods there. Um, a lot of people claim to have seen a blue light or a blue spiral uh, in the air uh, just before the storm started that caused the severe flooding they had in Australia a couple of years ago. Um, and I mean, the, the theory is that that possibly could be harp uh, that's being used. And I tell you who George has had on who is just trem tremendously brilliant if that is Dr. Dick Beckage. Yeah, he's Nick is one of the best out there. You know, they say that they've shut Harp down for a while because of funding. I'm not sure. Well, um, you know, there never seems to be any lack of funding for that type of technology, George. So, um, I mean, I would take that with a grain of salt. You don't spend that much money, um, you know, on that type of a system in the middle of nowhere to defund it. So, I mean, I think that's probably, as most things that we get told by our government, a diversion. Do you think now if one out of ten people say that they're being harassed electronically, what would you say that the odds were is absolutely true? Probably 100% true. As a matter of fact, I think it's probably in this day and age, probably more than one out of ten. Um, you know, I'm hearing who over the years have you know, heard your show um, or talked to people that are friends or loved ones that are victims about it, and it's taken them a while to come around to admitting that they've been targeted but are, admit, are finally at least contacting me and saying, well, you know, this has been going on and that's been being gone. Some of the people are not hearing voices. They're just being targeted. Some are being targeted just with electronic disturbance. San Antonio, we had an entire neighborhood whose garage doors were opening and closing on their own. Uh, and it was complaints to until finally, you know, the one of the NSA bases, and we have three in San Antonio, came forward and admitted that they were experimenting with a ground based wave frequency that seemed to be interfering with garage door openers and suggested putting on a, a filter uh, that would help um, block that out or purchase a, a different type of garage door opener that didn't work on the same frequency. But it took them two years to admit that. Um, and it was doing a lot of 
of the same things to people in that neighborhood that a lot of these victims complain about as far as lights going off to the renters uh, and computers turning off and on on their own. Next up, we go to Hugh Grants Pass in Oregon. Hello, Hugh. You're up. Hi, George. Thank you. Uh, my wife died in uh, 2011, uh, Halloween Day. And uh, I've been since 1963. I've had electronic problems with phone calls and television and radio commercials. I'm a publisher with ASCAP in New York. Uh, the people who murdered my wife actually called from three different states and my wife's hospital room and used the phones in the hospital room to make fun of me while they murdered her. And uh, local police, I couldn't get the local police in Tennessee to put it all together. And I just wanted to make the public aware of these that are going on. All right. Thank you for that. I'm sorry for your loss, by the way, yeah. as well. Seems to be everywhere, John, huh? No, and then that happened. Uh, so refreshing to hear a police officer finally suggest to a victim here in San Antonio that she was under attack with electromagnetic weapons. That, that's that been a first for me in, in 10 years of being in this fight. So, I mean, and that is some of the goals that we have through ISA Act and through Freedom is education, educating the non-targeted public, educating the law enforcement agencies, more than, most importantly, educating the, the psychiatric community um, because they won't listen to anything these victims say, um, regardless of what type of research or what type of you know, internet finds that they put in front of these people. Um, there's a handful of psychiatrists that know this is going on, but for the most part, the rest of them are just interested in, in giving you a diagnosis. Okay, we have Sue now in Dayton, Ohio, east of the Rockies. Oh, this is fabulous. I've been waiting for this one. So thank you, George, and welcome, welcome to uh, Dr. Hall. I have a question for you. Sure. Yeah, I, um, I've been very... 2009 and the digital conversion, television conversion, because I have a little bit of a physics background and I, I realize the amount of signal and the specific type of signals that can be broadcast through digital means. Has there any, been any or signal separator to see whether, in fact, there are other things that could possibly subdue or uh, influence the mood through television signals currently. I haven't seen any studies. Televisions. Uh, you know, the, the signals coming. Sure. See the. Uh, um, yeah. As we heard about it, there was a, and this is 10 years ago, that they actually had a cartoon out that was causing kids to have seizures. When they yeah, seizures. yeah. Uh, so it's very, very possible to do. And I know what a lot of people are afraid of is that their digital TVs are going to be used as cameras or microphones um, mm -hmm. to monitor the house as well, which knowing what I know now about uh, the way electrical current works in your home would be very possible to do even with a rudimentary type camera set up that plugged into an outlet. I am um, I are you am I still on? Yes. 
Oh, great. Um, one thing I was concerned about, because I had read a number of research done on infrasound, and I didn't know whether the digital uh, signals could actually um, uh, transmit infrasound and how good tokens or it affected mood even though it was sounds that we really couldn't hear. Yeah, though those studies have actually been done in yeah. uh, infrasound or uh, ultrasound was actually not converted. Yeah, some of it you way it's actually converted into an electronic signal in the brain through bone conduction um, and then thermoelastic uh, expansion to create the electrical current in the auditory center. So you're right. You don't hear it through your ear canal. You hear it directly through your head. Um, and a, a good, I guess, a good commercial look at that to see how far the technology has come is with Spotlight. And that's an um, ultrasonic sound and basically an antenna that can direct sound directly at your head. And it can be you know, audible as far as you can pump in, you know, say you know, a song through it that only you'll hear in one area of the house and people around you won't. Or you can use subliminal sound through it and pump it ultrasonically through the skull and directly into the brain. Um, and um, that's commercially available. Let's take one or two more calls here, John, then the clock's going to get us. Kenny's in Salt Lake City. Hi, Ken. Hello. Hi, John and George. I just said George first. You're the host. Yes. I am founder of the Facebook group, Targeted Individual Evidence Collection. I certainly invite all victims, all targeted people to post there. I'm a longtime victim and of political control technology and methods. And uh, real quickly, I would just like to list uh, uh, my, my experiences. Um, I'm, uh, these are my experiences. Um, organized stalking, uh, time vehicular hits, um, where the tractor trailer uh, driver did not uh, put on brakes upon impact and monitored, monitored me under uh, using his, uh, his mirrors. Um, Home invasions uh, when I'm away and also when I'm uh, at sleep. Uh, there's a hypothesis that uh, uh, th there's a such thing as a sleep frequency that's used on targeted people and they don't wake up uh, when they have home intruders. Um, and also the perpetrators invent any conventional lock. Um, it's common for people, well, I've been a victim of, of food food poisoning. I've been a victim of, of, of my property and, and vehicles. Um, I have uh, had my medical records uh, corrupted. Obviously, every uh, thing, every political, every political control technology and method that is used, it produces the plausible symptom of a psychotic mental illness, and the doctors are actively involved um, 
but some of them very aggressively. And, and it's not just the lack of being uh, uh, of ignorance on the part of doctors. They know what they're doing to undermine the credibility of the person uh, so that the person doesn't have a leg to stand on for any worse. Um, I've had, um, 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 I, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was shot by an air projectile weapon to my admi- abdomen. Oh my gosh. Fortunately, out of time, Dr. John, I was glad he was back in a moment as we organized gang stalking. What you need to know. Organized gang stalking, also known as gang stalking, cause stalking, organized vigilante stalking, stalking by proxy, community-based harassment and covert war are essentially harassment and discriminating campaigns waged against a targeted individual. Citizens and neighbors are recruited to participate, often from extreme groups or from cult, but also from employees. Coordinated psychological warfare attacks consisting of stalking, noise campaigns, sensitizing, and spreading of lies and rumors are executed in the effort to virtually neutralize and destroy the victim by using people from all backgrounds and vocations to harass, track 24-7, sometimes organized lethal vehicle accidents, poisonings, electronic harassment, home invasions, property destruction, corrupt or ignorant doctor diagnosis given to stamp the victim as bogus, mentally ill, with delusions paranoia or schizophrenia etc everything is done covertly and with a sophisticated real-time dispatching system to organize the criminal harassments and attacks often in hundreds of thousands of criminals participating as a coordinated mob at any given time while the criminals do their normal routine of work shopping commuting to and from work leisure etc using the method of moving foot and vehicle surveillance computers cell phones verbal and visual cues and every other conceivable type of communication Often the local network of the mob is connected to a national and international network. When the target travels, the local network will drive the network and that pass the targets in that city or town. Organized gang stalking, also known as Stalking is a system of control which seeks to destroy every aspect of a targeted individual's life using occupational Once a target a notification by the various communities that they are in, a covert investigation might be opened and electronic means used by the civilian spies as part of the covert monitoring and surveillance process. The citizen informants can be part of these community-oriented programs, but are often average citizens. Everyone in the target's life is contacted, advised as to why the individual has been listed or flagged, advised to not to discuss the notification and to ask to be part of an ongoing, never-ending monitoring harassment process. This process is covertly designed to destroy the target over time, leaving them with no form of support. Since most civil workers are aware of this notification system, it means the target's reports and incidents of being followed around by various strangers should not have been unfamiliar to the police and other agencies target reported their harassment to. In most cities, this notification is used by many workers and employers, yet targeted individuals have had to have harassment that comes with it. Organized gang stalking 
individuals as psychological attack. This is capable of immobilizing and destroying them over time. The covert method used to harass, persecute, and falsely defame the target is similar to workplace mobbing, but takes place outside in the community. It's called organized gang stalking because organized groups or community members stalk and monitor the target 24-7. The goal of organized gang stalking. The express goal of organized gang stalking is to silence a victim, drive a victim insane and possibly to the point of suicide or destroy the victim's reputation and believability as the person will likely be viewed as mentally ill should they complain or report the abuse. To cause the target to appear mentally unstable is one, and this is achieved through a careful detailed assault using advanced psychological harassment techniques and a variety of other tactics that are a usual protocol for gang stalking, such as street theater, mobbing, pervasive petty discrediting. Organized gang stalking is also used to gather information on individuals as well as move or leave an area. Do this check to see if the victim no. There is an assumption of guilt among stalkers. Also remember that many stalkers are paid for their harassment, so the individuals are not concerned with the innocent or guilt of a victim. Assuming a victim knows the, the group that is behind their stalking, should they attempt to openly communicate with them? Absolutely not. For one, the stalkers automatically assume the victim is guilty of an atrocity and thus deserve the treatment. Second, many stalkers actually want the victim to engage them in some fashion. In this instance, the interaction will be recorded and used as evidence against the victim especially an attempt to suggest the victim is mentally unstable. If a charitable and respectable society practices organized gang stalking on the side, should we assume the victim deserves such treatment? Absolutely not. When these take the law into their own hands, any notion of a law is destroyed altogether. I should emphasize that the majority of organized gang stalking victims are completely innocent of any crime. Any group that performs organized gang stalking is not positive in nature. Or despite any charitable work they may perform. Likewise, any society wrong relationship. The members of the organized gang stacking group will try to ruin their relationship. If it's a romantic relationship, and then try to get them to cheat or leave. It's a friendship that will tell lies to come between you. Targets who have no one realize that something is going on with their lives. When this mobbing continues out in the community, it's called organized stalking. Organized stalking is mobbing that takes place out in public. Deception using lies about the target appear to be the most common method used to get citizens to participate, specifically smear campaigns using bogus investigations. Furthermore, it's likely that they take advantage of existing federally sponsored mechanisms such as community crime watch or community policing organizations, senior citizens organizations, and religious groups. They use them as unsuspecting instruments in their retaliation campaigns. Many people across the country have reported being harassed by these community groups. Some of those people that they're using think they're doing the community a service. This is a very well-funded and organized condoned or even run by the state. The perpetrators of organized gang stalking are serious criminals who do great damage and the acts done are very serious crimes by any measure. 
Organized gang stalking is a highly criminal campaign, one directed at a targeted individual, and one that aims to destroy an innocent person's life through covert harassments, malicious slander, and carefully crafted and executed psychological assaults. Organized gang stalking deprives the targeted individual of their basic constitutional rights and destroys their freedom, setting a stage for the destruction of a person socially, mentally, and physically through a ceaseless assault that pervades all areas of a person's life. We're talking about electronic stalking. Our guest today, Eleanor White, has been studying it for 30 years. She's an engineer by trade, by profession. She joins us today because she says it's real, and these people are being tortured, absolutely tortured. Please check out the website, multistalkervictims.org. She spends a lot of time trying to address this issue. The term we use for... Uh, for this crime, we want to be as descriptive as possible, and so we call it organized stalking and electronic.